jumper on the way. Good! Tyus Battle nails the three. Dungey leaps and into the end zone for Dungey. A touchdown. If that's not on every highlight show tonight, then I, I don't know who's watching. Powered for oh! Soaring through the air. High flying Slovakian. Screen pass here. He'll get one. And he stays alive, but he's got room to the 10. One man to beat. He'll do it. Touchdown, Syracuse. And for Syracuse, party time. The upset pulled by the Orange. They defeat Clemson 27 to 24. The penetration. Step back. Oh, a pressure bucket for Tyus Battle. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Powered by Drivers Village and Hummel's Office Plus. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us alongside Seth Goldberg. I'm Stephen Fonte. It's a Tuesday edition of Orange Nation. 315-437-7644 is the number if you'd like to get involved. No guest line up for you today, so phone lines open the entire way. We want to hear from you. We can talk some Q's football. We can certainly talk some NFL. It is Tuesday. We'll get to our top five and bottom five NFL power rankings. Uh, we did promise at the end of yesterday's show that we were going to talk some Odell Beckham Jr. and uh, the disaster that is the New York Giants right now. Uh, but we begin with the disaster that was last night in the Bronx as the Yankees fall to the Red Sox 16-1, to most lopsided loss in the postseason history of the New York Yankees. And it all started with Luis Severino getting the ball. There was some confusion, apparently, about the start time, depending on who you believe. Ron Darling from TBS put it out there that Severino got out to the bullpen late, started his warm-up pitches at 7.32 for a 7.40 first pitch. Severino, Aaron Boone, the Yankees all refuted uh, that claim afterwards. And said, I don't yes, believe he him for a second. Said he knew when the game was starting, that that wasn't an issue, so on and so forth. So we didn't talk about this before the show on purpose. I was curious on the air to find out what you thought. You think it's a whole believe, bunch of I don't believe BS. them for a second. I, I really don't. I've been to games that Luis Severino pitches. I've sat there and watched him go out to the outfield more than 15 minutes before the game. I don't believe that for a second. I, I just don't. I, I know that he does not go out to the bullpen every game 15 minutes before the game starts. He goes out there at least half an hour before the game starts. He He's out there and, and getting out there to throw his pitches and, and try and get into a routine. Now, do I think that had an impact on last night's game? I have no idea. I don't really know if that, you know, I, I don't know what kind of impact that would really have on a game. And, and in theory, he could be throwing down below in, in a tunnel somewhere and, and they have batting cages and the whole deal. I, I'm not sure what it how it impacted the game, but I don't believe that that's normal. I, I don't believe them when they're just like, no, everybody knew what time it was. Larry Rothschild was just telling them 740 in the outfield because he wanted to. What? No, of course he didn't know what time the game started. I thought Aaron Boone's quote afterwards was rather telling. You know, he addressed it and then the reporters kind of followed up and went back to it. So, you know, you're saying he was that, ready. that he was ready and his response was something along the lines of, let me put it this way. He got in the work that he needed to get done. And right. by saying that, to me, that sounds like in an omission, you know, him admitting that, yeah, he got out there a little bit late, but he, he still got his warm-up pitches in and he was ready to go. That's kind of how I thought about it. Like, I, I don't think that – do I think that he probably got out there late? Yes. But did it did it have the impact on the game? I don't know. I, I really don't. I don't think that there'll be any way for us to really know that. Um 
because he's got, had a history where he's been a reliever, maybe he's able to warm up in some kind of a uh, quicker routine. He knew he wasn't pitching deep into the game. It didn't matter how well he was pitching last night. He wasn't going to go more than five innings. So maybe he knew, hey, I don't need to warm up the same way that I would warm up for a start. I'm not going seven innings tonight. I'm not going eight innings tonight. I don't buy that, though, do I you? Don't, no, I don't. Because you got to be prepared to go as long as the, the manager needs you to go. Right. I don't. So I don't buy that either. But at, at the same time, I think that all these Yankee starters know they're not going more than five innings. I think that has been t- essentially told to them before these games. But with that being said, I still don't buy that rationale. Like I think he legitimately just didn't know what time the game started and got out there too late. He got out there at... At 7.25, which would make perfect sense if you thought first pitch was at 8 o'clock. And that would that make, would make sense. perfect and sense. You would assume first pitch 8 o'clock. When do you ever play at 7.40? You, you normally play at 7.05, 7.07 when you're in Toronto. You know, 8 o'clock, 8.05. You generally don't start a game at 7.40. So I, I understand why he might have been confused. Now, that, that's the question everybody's asking, right? He's like, how in the world could he be confused? There is because no you excuse. never do it. Well, right, but there's no excuse for that. I mean, no. it's the biggest game of the season, biggest start, arguably, of your career. Uh, yeah, I might double-check. All right, playoff times are a little bit different with TV and whatnot. What time do we start? What, what's first pitch? Somebody's got to get in his ear. That is inexcusable if that is indeed the case. I agree. To your point, I don't know how much it bothered him either or how much it affected him. I will say this, though. You know, people will point to the first inning and say he got out of the first. He got hit awfully hard in the first. I mean, the yeah. first ball that was hit, very first he pitch hit, he threw, he got two went that over got 400. Hit to the wall. Right. right. <laughs> the first pitch he threw went over 400 feet. So he got hit pretty hard in that first inning. It just so happened that the Rick ball Gardner stayed in the park. Down, right? Yeah, ball stayed in the park, and they got out of the inning. But you could tell, and Aaron Boone said, and this brings me to my next point. Aaron Boone said, again, after the game, I could tell right away he didn't have his stuff. So then why'd you leave him in for the fourth inning? Why did you leave him in for the fourth inning? Now, not that I agree with it, but I understand what he was trying to do. Bottom of the order was, was coming up. Which Let's... was, it's seven, eight, nine, and the bottom of this Red Sox order has been so pathetic. Even though these aren't the guys who had been playing recently. The bottom of the Red Sox order had been so pathetic recently that, hey, let's see if we can try and squeeze out one more inning. But then as soon as he let one guy on, you've got to take him out of the game. And you know who you don't put in when you've already got a man on? You don't put a starter in the game. And now Certainly now with the bases loaded and nobody right, out. Right. Now, this game was not lost because of Aaron Boone, I don't think. I don't think. I mean, the Yankee offense still did nothing against Nathan Avaldi, so like you've got to do something. It's at some different point. though when but you're down ten to nothing was, opposed to three to nothing. To, but I was about to say that. But I think there has to be some accountability because different moves would have kept the game at a more manageable place. And and if you could have kept that game at three nothing or four nothing rather than ten nothing, and you get to you you know you still get your one off Avaldi, of and all of a sudden now it's three or four one rather than ten one. And they've got to go to the bullpen in the eighth inning. What are they doing? Exactly. What are the Red Sox doing? Because it, there's a very good chance. There's a very good chance that had Nathan Avaldi gotten through seven innings, they either would have tried to stretch him for an eighth, or they're burning Rick Porcello, who is supposed to pitch tonight. And so I think that you that changes the rest of the series. Yes. Because even if you lose that game last night four to one, and you get to burn Rick Porcello, who is pitching tonight? I have no idea who would be pitching tonight for the Red Sox had they had to use Porcello in the bullpen last night. And I think that that's a really big thing that you can't overlook. I Aaron Boone had had, had a, a great week of playoff games. He, he pushed every button right in the Oakland game, every button right in the first two uh, Yankee uh, Red Sox games. It seemed like, hey, he had had a bit of a rough year, but now he's finding his groove. And then last night, I, I thought that he had a bad night. 
probably what the Red Sox would have done. And again, it all depends on Chris Sale's health. But you could come back with Sale in Game Four, and then if Porcello only pitched a little bit, he could bring him back sure. for Game Five. So maybe that you know they just flip flop it. Porcello goes Game Five if there is one. But we Chris talked Sale about this. Ye- but we talked right. about this yesterday with Chris Sale. How comfortable do you feel doing that? Right. And and I said yesterday. You said yesterday. We were in agreement on that as well. That Sale should pitch Game Five, especially with the injury. And you you, you know you want him right. You don't want him coming back on short rest, especially with the injury. But that's where I, where I am at this with with Aaron Boone is that okay you identified right away he didn't have his stuff he got hit hard in the first didn't give up a run then he gives up one in the second two in the third you're down three to nothing I get the whole philosophy of all right it's the bottom of the order let's see what you can do I the understand very it, but first don't agree single, with it right the well that's that's fu- I don't agree with it either right take him out going into the fourth but if you're going to send him out there for the fourth all right lead off single He's All out. right, you're coming out. He didn't. He waited until another single and then a walk, and you you then you send in a starter with bases loaded, nobody out. He waited instead far of a too guy long. on first with nobody out. That's a big difference. Oh, he waited. He waited far too long to make that move, and then I think he went to the wrong guy once he made that move. I I don't think it should have been Lance Lynn. And I know Lance Lynn had pitched well for you in game one, and I know that Lance Lynn had come up big. But in that situation, how do you put a guy in who's a starter his entire life, who who has yes pitched out of the bullpen? But not in that kind of a situation. How do you put him in that position? How do you put him in bases loaded, no outs, and expect to get anything good out of it? Put Chad Green in, who strikes people out. Put Jonathan Holder in, who's had a very good year. Yeah, maybe you end up giving up a run, but maybe that's all you give up rather than giving up seven in that inning. Well, and I think they went to Lynn because he does have a high strikeout rate, and they were trying to get a strikeout there. But to your point, that I mean, that's a, it's an almost impossible situation for him to go in with the bases loaded, nobody out. And there's that cliche in the postseason, right? That that as a manager, you want to take your guy out, you know, a batter too, too early, early. opposed to a batter too late. Aaron Boone waited three batters too late uh, to take him out. And the 3 nothing lead turned into a 10 nothing lead. And, it, you know, as we were discussing this, like, that's what comes to mind is that you, A, would put some game pressure on the Red Sox. If it's only 3 nothing, you get a guy or two on. Now there's game pressure. Now... If you're Alex Corey, you got to make a decision. You know, what am I going to do here? Am I going to take, you know, you get to that bullpen potentially a little bit earlier. With a 10 nothing lead, you, know, you can let it go. Like, all right, he'll work his way out of it. If he gives up a run or two, who cares? We're still up eight. And that's exactly what happened. Exactly. Right? When when the Yankees finally did score, what was that? The seventh inning? No, the. They, it, they, it was the inning before, wasn't it? Uh, they scored in the fourth. But they, it, it seemed like they had had kind of a threat late. It was the fourth inning where, you know, they had a couple of guys on, but they were, you know, they. They hit into uh, DD hit into the double play that got overturned in one inning, and like things never quite got rolling, right? But you you had two men on, you had a man on first and third with DD Gregorius up at the plate, and like you you potentially could have gotten back in that game, right? And and one swing, and all of a sudden it's a whole lot more right. interesting. And if it's three and one, three one, there's with, a decision with, to be made. The go ahead run at the plate. There's a decision there that has to be made about Nathan Avaldi. Is he going to stay in? The decision was made. Far easier by the fact that it was already a ten run big, uh, a ten run game. It didn't matter anymore. So listen, I'm not I'm not pinning this on Aaron Boone either. No. But I I think we saw his inexperience in the postseason come to light uh, last night, and especially with the bullpen that he has at his disposal and the arms that he has at his disposal. And we talked about it in the wild card game. Well, the strategy is let Severino go for whatever three innings, first sign of trouble, take him out, go to that bullpen. Well. It wasn't the first sign of trouble last night, but you you were already down three nothing. You you could tell. I mean, Aaron Boone admitted he doesn't have his stuff tonight. He puts him out there for the fourth. Take him out after the leadoff single. You yes. don't wait until the bases are loaded. And then the thing just snowballed. And and I think we saw 
Aaron Boone's inexperience last night. Yeah, we did. And and you mentioned especially with that bullpen behind them. And and that's why I question the Lance Lynn move even more. You're not the Red Sox, right? You're not this team that has such a terrible bullpen that you've got to resort to using your starters, even the ones that weren't very good in the pre in in the regular season, like Eduardo Rodriguez, who kind of scuffled and struggled long towards the end. You've got such a good bullpen that I mean, you you go to option seven, you right? You go to the last man in the bullpen to go give you an inning to get you out of that jam. Uh, put anybody else in. Put Dylan Batances in. Put David Robertson in. Put Chad Green in. Put literally anybody else in that game. And I think that you have a better chance of getting out of that inning. If you want Lance Lynn to pitch because he can eat up a couple of innings, fine. Start him clean. Start him out with nobody on base and nobody out. And and don't don't put him in that position. I was surprised he went back out for the fourth. And I was even more surprised that he, he let him load the bases before he it's took him out. It's uh, unbelievable. The most unexpected thing involving a Yankee pitcher last night uh, may have been Austin Romine hit 90 it. on yes. the gut. He hit Yes, he's got he a ninety-mile-per-hour fastball. Where did and that had, come from? And he had a couple of slower ones that had a little, uh, a little something on them. Apparently, he was a pitcher in high school. Um, Everybody's a pitcher. in I high guess. School, right? Yeah, right. If you're in the majors, you know, all the best athletes are their pitchers or shortstops, right? In uh, in high school, or both, or both. Um, ninety though on the gun like that. I, I, know, was, that was, I was impressive. I was impressed by that. That was impressive. I was hoping he would strike somebody out because that's just like the ultimate, uh, like disrespect. Thing. Instead, Brock Holt hit a home run and became the first player in postseason history can to I, hit for the cycle. Okay, can I, I get a pet peeve off my chest here with sure. this? I like the cycle. I think it's fun, right? Like, it's it's a fun little thing to keep track of and, and the whole deal. But after he hit the home run, one of the announcers, and I don't remember which one it was, one of the two announcers says, man, can't have a better game than that. <laughs> which, like, yes, you can. You can do a whole lot of better things than hit for the cycle. You skip can, the single, skip right. the double. You you can hit four doubles. You can hit three home runs. You can hit two home runs. Like there's a lot you can do better than hit for the Fair cycle. Point. Fair like, point. You could go six for six. Like I I think that that was a very funny comment to make. And the the cycle is kind of one of those things that like it it feels like something from like a past generation where like it it again it's a cool thing. It's a cool little moment. Like oh that guy got one of every hit. Uh, but it, it doesn't really mean it's anything, It's kind of like right? a triple-double in basketball. It, it's exactly like a triple-double. It's just like an arbitrary thing. It doesn't mean anything. Right. And it's it's a cool thing that we talk about, and you right. you know you gun for it, and you know at the end of the day, what what matters is whether or not you win. I mean, guys, you know Russell Westbrook is the king of getting triple doubles in a loss. Like, but there's know. also but there's also a difference between like hitting for the cycle and hitting four home runs in a game, which like right. doesn't happen ever, right? That that and and I always put this in perspective when I'm anytime I bring up four home runs. If you think that perfect games are rare. Right? And there have been, what, 20-something perfect games? There have been fewer four-home run games in baseball history. Like, that's something. That's something. If if somebody were to do that in a playoff game, be like, oh, wow, we hit four home runs. Yeah, can't have much so better a game than that. So like, you're not <laughs> impressed by the cycle? Not saying I'm not impressed. I'm just not impressed by the comment that was made after the yeah, cycle. Fair enough. Right. There are more impressive like there things. There are plenty of better games that you can have than I am that. surprised, though. You know, baseball's been around for so long. I am still surprised when something pops up that has never been done before. Like, yes. you would think at some point— You would point, think it would happen. You know, in the last hundred-plus years that someone would have hit for the cycle yes. in, in a postseason do game. You, do you happen to know, by the way, who the last uh, who the last Yankee was to, to position player to, to pitch in a uh, playoff game? In a playoff game? 
I, I don't know that. I know the last they haven't used a position player to pitch in three years. I saw, but I, I don't know who it was. It, uh, it was actually technically Babe Ruth because he never actually like was a pitcher for the Yankees, but like I think they used him once. Interesting. So he was the last position player. Air quotes. Do you stay up all night digging that up? No, I saw it like right after uh, Twitter. Okay. Twitter's a Twitter, great. It is a great. Twitter tool. is a great tool for this. It's right. like ninety percent. Like if you listen to the Yankee show and you hear the stats that I read off. 95% of them come from there. All right. I'm not letting Luis Severino get off that easy. We didn't spend much time on him. We're going to take a break, though. Come back. I do want to get your thoughts on Severino and his inability, really, to to pitch well in a, in a big game. We do have to get to that. 315-437-7644. Come on back. We're just getting started. On a Tuesday edition of Orange Nation, you're listening to ESPN Radio. It's time to get you what you need to hear. Not a game. Not a game. Not a game. We talking about practice. I'm a man. I'm 40. But we played in, in some really tough ones over my years, you know, playing in Alabama, and then playing in the Dome at UTSA. If you want to crown them, then crown their But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 games this year. Okay? Not 10. Today's sound check on Orange Nation. All right, we do it every week. Some of the uh, the best sound bites, as we call it, uh, from the weekend. Uh, what do you have for us today, Seth? Uh, let's start off with Gronk. This is not the only Gronk clip that could have been put in the sound check this week, but I, it's the one I heard today. So it it goes in. This is about Tom Brady. He's unbelievable. He's a he's a spacey man out there at the quarterback position. He's what? <laughs> spacey? He's unbelievable. He's a he's a spacey man out there at the quarterback position. I, 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 I think he was trying to say specimen. Specimen. Okay. But, but he's a specie man out. <laughs> he's a specie man. Maybe that means something to Gronk. The the other one that I I was considering. Uh, so Julian Edelman came off his his four game suspension yes, for PEDs, and in the post game interview, in the same interview as that clip, uh, Gronk said Julian just brings the juice to the locker room, the juice to this team. Bad choice of words. Or or purposeful choice of pun intended. I don't know. What do you think? Nobody will call him out on it. No, nobody. If that was OBJ, you know, he would get killed. Yeah, and we'll we'll get into that. We'll get into Odell Beckham here in the next segment. But continue. Uh, Chris Bosh was at the Knicks game last night for some reason, uh, and his son was on MSG. Jackson, say hi. Hi. You're gonna be a baller one day. What is a baller? Just say yes. Yeah. Sure, why not? <laughs> sure, why not? What's well, a baller? Yes, is that just like a bad? Is that a, is that on? Is that on Bosch? Who's that? Who's that fall on? Fall on? He's not pushing his kid to be an NBA superstar someday. No, like wouldn't you think that a, a kid of an How NBA? How old is the kid? I don't know. He sounded like he was like three. He was a kid. He was yeah. He was really young. That's not on anybody. But wouldn't you think that he would know like baller? Like at least have an idea of what. What it meant? Maybe I don't know. I don't know. His dad's an NBA. Also, his dad's an, a basketball Hall of Famer. Maybe he didn't think they had to have that talk. I don't. They know. haven't talked about that yet. I guess Maybe. not. I don't put that on anyone. All right, that's it was fair. a fair question by the reporter. I like. No, I love the question. That was a perfect question. Bosh handled it. That handled seems like well. that seems like the appropriate way to handle having like a three-year-old kid handed to you. Just ask him something inane, and you know who's the best basketball safe. player you know. My daddy. No, he wouldn't say that. 
That's, those are the better ones. When like Riley Curry is asked, "Hey, who's the best? Who's your favorite NBA player?" and she says, "Like LeBron James." That's the better answer. <laughs> yes, it's the funny answer. It is. It is. Uh, how about Alex Bregman? He of the Houston Astros, who went and demolished the Cleveland Indians in three straight games, sweeping them out of the ALDS. And uh, Alex Bregman not happy that the Astros were playing all those day games. Does Floyd Mayweather fight the first fight of the night, or does he is he the main event? I mean, does Tiger Woods tee off at 8 a.m.? It's about time the uh, the showstros uh, play on primetime television, so we're looking forward to the ALCS. I heard See, that last night, um, <laughs> and I know, get what he's saying. He's saying it kind of tongue in cheek. At least I hope so. I, he's got that a, time he was. He said it. That was the second time he had said it in separate interviews, and I think that one was a little more tongue. He had had a little more champagne in him yeah. at this point. I think he wasn't quite was, as salty. I, yeah, I thought he was really serious. He's when got to understand. It it's Yankee socks. I, like, I mean, I know, and you exactly. play for the Astros. I mean, the the Astros are a great story, and they're a great team, and they're fun to watch. They're and gonna we're going to the World Series and again this year. We're going to get to see them in the ALCS. Does um, this mean we have to have Sal back on? You say that like that's a bad thing. I'll have to tell him you said that. <laughs> yes, I think we'll He's have to. He's probably listening. I think we'll have to have Sal on, um, especially if they play the Yankees. Yes, but I, I, I thought that comment was interesting because, like, I get where you're coming from. Houston's really good. They're probably going to go to the World Series, maybe win the World Series. I, I think so. Um, but his Yankees Red Sox. Like, you had to know that you weren't playing a night game. You had to know that going in, right? Yeah, I mean, if you're talking like Cowboys Giants. Or and you know, say both teams are two and three, or you know, Giants are one and four right now. Cowboys, Wait, Giants, Cowboys, Giants, or Chiefs, Jaguars. Which one's getting Sunday night? Oh, I was going to even say like if uh, you know if the Titans had won and they were four and one. Like, are people excited to see you know the Titans play the Chiefs? I, you you bring up a good example. I mean, you're the the marquee matchup is Giants Cowboys. Yes, it just is. It always is. So I, I get where he's coming from as well. We will get to see them in prime time in the ALCS and, and as you're saying, most likely in the World Series. Um, he's got to understand it's Yankee Sox. Of I course, they're so. going prime time. Yeah, uh, and then there's there's this one. Uh, this is really cool. Peyton uh, Drew Brees last night breaks Peyton Manning's mark for uh, most passing yards in an NFL uh, career. He sets that record. And ESPN had him mic'd up for last night's game. He was the player that they had chosen. Uh, I love you, bro. I love you, bro. I love you, bro. Hey, boys. How about that, huh? How about that? Hey, I love you guys so much. Hey, you're going to accomplish anything in life you're willing to work for, right? I love you, boys. I love you. Thank you, coach. Come on, let's go win the game. All right, come on. That was awesome. He was talking to his kids there. The kids in the middle. Yeah. And then the second, really cool the, the last bit of sound that was with Sean Payton, where he hugs him and says, "You know, love you. Let's go win a game." I mean, just, that was awesome. It was. I mean, they're, they're showing fans crying in the stands. Um, he seems like a good guy. I was going to say, I I really like Drew Brees. He's never been on a team I've rooted for. I really like Drew Brees. Um, and he he's got a, an interesting place in NFL history, doesn't he? And, and in that, like, he's a Hall of Famer, sure. He's going to be the all-time passing leader. Yeah, he's probably going to throw the most touchdowns in NFL history. Never the best quarterback of of his generation, right? You would never say he's in that conversation. He's never that guy. But like for him and his team and his city, I mean, he's he's the biggest sports person in New Orleans sports history, right? Like he's the figure in, in that city's sports, like. Universe, he is, and, and you know, you mentioned uh, that he's you know never been the best quarterback at any time in the league. He's about to throw his 500th touchdown pass. Right, he's at 499. 499, and the other three who've done it, it's Brady, 
Peyton and Favre, right? Right. Those he's are overlapped the with all of them. Right. So he's right. And he's gonna and and he's only forty touchdowns away from uh from Peyton. So he and Tom Brady for the next two years, three years, however long they play, are probably gonna have a little back and forth with that record. It's kind of it's it's not too dissimilar to, and I'm gonna bring it back to like an NBA thing with 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 Carmelo and LeBron. Like if if Carmelo lived at any other time or didn't come into the league with LeBron, I th- I think you would look at him differently. But the way that LeBron has, you know, obviously become one of the best players, if not the best player in NBA history, you know, Melo has been overshadowed by him his entire career. And I think to some yeah. degree, you know, Breeze, if you could say that the all time passing leader in yardage is overshadowed, he he was. I mean, he you know, well, Brady, I, Manning, and Favre all had more touchdown passes yep. than him. And as you said, his career overlapped with all three of them. Can I can I give you another another one that this this is probably gonna sound crazy on the surface, but similar. Um that it, it Derek Jeter. He's got all the number accolades that you could possibly want, right? But detractors will say, never won an MVP, was never the best shortstop. Look at the shortstops <laughs> he, right. he overlapped with. You know, look at the guys that, that he ended up overlapping his career with. They were pretty good. How about Phil Mickelson and right. Tiger Woods, overshadowed by Tiger for most of his career? I mean, there are a lot of examples out there. You got one more? I got one more. Go for it. Uh, Peyton Manning after the, <laughs> after the video that they played for him. Peyton, FYI, Drew Brees just broke your record. Uh, which one? All-time passing yards. Passing yards? Okay. So I still have the touchdown record, right? He's actually on pace to break that, too. Great. Drew, for a thousand days, I've held the record for all-time passing yards in the NFL. And i got to tell you, it's been the greatest a thousand days of my life. And <laughs> thanks to you, that's over now. And you've ruined that for me. So... Thank you very much. I have nothing left to look forward to except slicing my tomatoes, making dinner for my family, putting together this wedge salad. Also, let this serve as the congratulations for the touchdown record because, as you can see, I'm very busy. I don't have time to keep doing these videos for you, congratulating you. <laughs> that he went on is to like funny. give like an actual like 15 second hey, yes, congrats. I saw awesome. it. But that part was amazing, and you've got to watch it because he's just sitting there slicing tomatoes. Great delivery. He, <laughs> as the kids would say, is low-key funny. He's hilarious. That was... His, his SNL is amazing. Yeah, that was terrific. Uh, and, and with that... Done. Is that new? Is that a new wrinkle? What? No. Finito. Done. That's another soundbite that we didn't have time to get to. Who was that? Pat Shermer talking about Odell Beckham. We could play it next segment. You may have to bring that back in the weeks to come. That, that, might, that may have to be how we end this segment. <laughs> We're going to end it like that today. Hour number one in the books. We'll kick off hour number two talking some Odell Beckham Jr. on the other side. Keep it here. We'll be right back. Jumper on the way. Good. Tyus Battle nails the three. Dungy leaps and into the end zone for Dungy. A touchdown. If that's not on every highlight show tonight, then I, I don't know who's watching. Howard, oh, soaring through the air, high-flying Slovakian. Screen pass here, he'll get one. And he stays alive, and he's got room to the 10. One man to beat, he'll do it. Touchdown, Syracuse. And for Syracuse, party time. The upset, pulled by the Orange. They defeat Clemson 27-24. to the penetration. Step back. Oh, a pressure bucket for Tyus Battle. 
This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Powered by Driver's Village and Hummel's Office Plus. Hour number two of Orange Nation underway on ESPN Radio. Phone lines open for the entire second hour at 315-437-7644. You can also text us at 315-288-0644. We touched on the NFL to close out hour number one. Uh, We spent a a good portion of that first hour talking about the New York Yankees and the disaster that was uh, last night. We we do need to open hour number two by talking about the the disaster that is uh, the New York Giants. They're a mess. Um, Now, granted, your team fell in in heartbreaking fashion. I feel bad for the way that that your your team lost over the weekend. It's the second year in a row they've done this. 63-yard field goal. It's the second year in a row they've done this. The same thing. That's that's a tough way to lose. Yes. I'll give you that. And and how do you manage to do that two years in a row? You go down, you score what you think is the game-winning score, and then you think, well, oh, there's no way they can kick a field goal from there. There's no way they're making a kick from the other side of midfield. Nope. I'll be honest with you. I was a little surprised they were even going to try it. Uh, I mean, that's far. Yes. That's very and far. He, he and he had plenty of legs. He hit it from 70. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, in any event, we, I have to get your thoughts, and we didn't talk much about it yesterday. I have to get your thoughts on the Odell Beckham Jr. situation. And in case you know those of you at home or listening to us don't know what we're talking about, somehow, uh, right? I'm, <laughs> you must not be paying attention. But just to remind you, Odell Beckham Jr. did an, an interview with Josina Anderson from ESPN. For some reason, was sitting next to Lil Wayne while he did the interview. I think he was the hype man. He was okay. just like, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's like Flavor right. Flav. Yeah. Do you even know who that is? Public yes, Enemy. Like, okay. Yes, yes. Uh, Sal would appreciate that. Speaking of Sal. Um, in any event, he, he said some things that didn't sit too well with uh, the Giants locker room. Namely, he was asked, do you guys have a quarterback problem? And this is what Odell Beckham Jr. had to say about that. I don't know. Like I said, I feel like he, he's not going to get out the pocket. He's not, we, we know Eli's not running. But is it a matter of time issue? Can, can he still throw it? Yeah, and it's been you know cool catching a shallow and trying to take it to the house. But I'm you know I want to I want to go over the top of somebody. So two <laughs> shots in one answer. He's not going to run, which is it's fair, <laughs> right? Uh, and then gives him a backhanded compliment. Says, "Can he throw it? Yeah, he can still throw it. But I'm tired of taking these shallow passes and trying to take it to the house. I yes. want to go over the top. Yes. So now, throws his quarterback under the bus. So you're going to kill me for this answer. Here. Okay. And my reaction. It's your team, so you can feel it however is. you want. You're going to kill me here. Not condoning him actually doing the interview. Throw that out there first and foremost. Like, maybe don't do this publicly. Uh, what did he say there that's not true? Well. Like, you know what I mean, you, you know what I mean by that, right? Yes. He, what, it's what a fair say, criticism. What, what, it's a fair criticism. Not coming from him, right. but it's a fair criticism. You know, it's, it's something that everybody in the world knew except for Dave Gettleman. It's it's something that everybody in the world knew, except for Jerry Reese, except for you know the the people who didn't want to know, uh, who didn't want to acknowledge it. You know, Eli Manning is a step slower. Eli Manning, uh, if he does not have a good offensive line, is not going to have time to throw you the ball. It's it's all dink and dunk. Uh, you you take the you take the top off the defense once uh, <laughs> this season so far. That's the kind of quarterback that Eli is now, and and. I think that it is time to. I, I thought that it was time to go out there and get another quarterback. I, th- I still, I still do. You know, I, I listened to that clip. Odell Beckham Jr. should not be the one saying it. Odell Beckham Jr. should not be in the position where he's doing this interview. That was a hard yes to the question. Do you have a quarterback problem? 
Um, he tried to play it off as if it wasn't, but that was a hard yes by Odell Beckham Jr. He shouldn't have been doing that that interview and that question. But I, I don't know what he said there that was unfair. I don't know what he said there that was wrong. Like, as far as right and wrong, not wrong as in doing the interview as a whole. It's a fair criticism because, you know, we've talked about this at length. I mean, we talked about this going into the draft, about whether or not they needed to take a quarterback. They could have gotten Darnold, obviously. They went with Saquon Barkley. Darnold ended up with the Jets. We know how it all played out. But there was the question going into the draft, you know, how much longer can Eli be effective in this league? And so, and from the minute that Dave Gettleman and Pat Shermer got introduced, they said he could be effective for three, four years. What are they thinking? Right. So it's anybody it's, watching the Giants knew that wasn't true. It's a fair criticism, but there is no way that Odell Beckham Jr. can say what he said. No, he can't. There's just there's there's no way you can do that. And so you know you wonder why he rubs me the wrong way. It's because of that. Well, I mean, that that is just another example of why he rubs me the wrong way. Like, who does that? And some will say, well, it's because his quarterback's last name is Manning. And if this was, you know, anybody else, if this was Andy Dalton, um, you know, we're not crushing Odell back. No, I don't think that's I don't think it's the case. I he is your starting quarterback. I buy that in other situations with Eli Manning. I don't buy that in this one. Correct. No matter who the quarterback is in this situation, you don't want your star receiver to go out and, and bash him. Do I buy? Do I buy the the Manning thing when it came to the benching last year and that people were in an uproar because you benched uh, Eli Manning? Yes, I I do. I buy that. Uh, I don't buy it here. No, I mean you said Eli Smith. I know you were going with a random name, but say Alex Smith. He looked awful last night. He's terrible. If someone comes out and says, you know. He's awful. Again, it's a fair criticism. Can, you can't do that. You can, you cannot have a, a current player on the team say that about the team's leader, and whether you like the quarterback or not, he is the team's leader. You cannot do that. Eli Manning is not only the team's leader, Steve. He is going to have his number retired by the franchise and be put in the ring of honor. You know, that it, you're, you're talking about, and this is why the whole benching thing was as big a deal as it was last year, that's the kind of player that you're talking about. You're talking about a guy who's going to be very much discussed for the NFL Hall of Fame when that time when that time comes uh, for him. You know, you're just talking about Alex Smith or Andy Dalton or Kirk Cousins. Uh, you know, you're talking about somebody who's a step above those guys. Uh, step below Peyton and Brady and Rodgers and Breeze. And, and yes, far uh, maybe two steps below them, but a step above the others. Um, like, like you said, I don't feel great about Odell Beckham Jr. going out and doing this interview. I don't feel great about him publicly airing this dirty laundry and getting these comments out on the record. I certainly don't feel great about it after you paid him and committed money to him long term, which, by the way, I agree with because he's a transcendent talent and, and you lock up that talent in the NFL. But with that being said, don't do that. Just, just be smarter than this. Don't go do that. So when you initially responded, your, your first thing was... That he, you know, he didn't say anything that was unfair. But is there a part of you being a Giants fan? You know, take off your journalism hat for a second. Being a Giants fan, is there a part of you that is just tired of him and and doing these kinds of things? No, no, you're fine with it. I'm not tired of it. You can overlook it. Yeah. Okay. From the outside looking in, he drives me crazy because he's just so good. He's good. I get it. He's He's just so good. He's he's just such a talent, and and. I think that that wears out its welcome at some point, and and it, at some point, even the best guy, you're, you're just tired of. You, you don't want Terrell Owens. You don't want Randy Moss. You don't want the these diva, these personality guys anymore. 
but talent wins out for a long time. I mean, how how long did, did Chad Johnson last in Cincinnati? And I think that Odell Beckham Jr. is a a, a far more talented receiver than Chad Johnson was. Yeah. But how but how long did Chad Johnson last in Cincinnati? I mean, he lasted there forever. You know, I, I think Odell Beckham Jr. is better than that. I think he's got such a long leash because then he he goes and he you know makes plays like the touchdown pass and the touchdown catch that he had in the game yesterday. He makes plays like the the one handed catch to start out the game on a pass that was thrown you know terribly behind him. It, it it's hard to overlook all of that, you know, given what he's done off the field. A lot of what he's done off the field hasn't bothered me all that much. The celebrations, the antics on the sideline. I mean, that stuff doesn't bother me as much as this interview does. You know, this interview is like the first thing that I'm looking at. And I know you you point to the tape in the offseason, and, and that's weird. And I, I don't know what's going on there. And uh, it That was not a good look either. But like that and this interview are kind of the first two things that are like starting to be like, hey, maybe don't do that, right? Maybe, maybe, maybe say no to these two things. I can the, the going I can, on a trip before a playoff game, you were fine with that? I, like I said, he, they had a day off. They could have been out clubbing in New York the whole day. They could have done the same thing in New York City. Nobody would have said anything. Okay. Well, there, I mean, travel takes something out of you. I, again, we don't have to go back to that. But this is more than, and my point is, this is more than an isolated incident. Yes, it's, it, it is. There are it is. little things, and in my mind, not so little things that add up with him. And I get that he's a transcendent star. I get that he's talented. I get that he's fun to watch. And again, you're you're the fan of the team, so I'm I can't disagree with what you're saying. I'm just telling you from the outside looking in. I'm you know I have no dog in the fight when it comes to the Giants. I just he drives me crazy. I I he drives me crazy, and I don't know if is is if I you know I was just gonna say I don't know if I want him on my team. But as a Bills fan, like if he was on you the Bills and he was scoring touchdowns, I would right. feel great about it. I I will tell you this in regards to the Bills, a guy that who has kind of overstayed his welcome in a short period of time. The fan base has turned on Kelvin Benjamin. He's he is not producing at all. To your point about if he produces, if it you forgives produce, a lot who of cares? The fan base is very much well, against Kelvin Benjamin right now. I tell you that. Well, and that's just because he's not good. I think he's talented. He just he doesn't care. he's done nothing this year. He I, I do like he his, does act like he doesn't care. He doesn't right. dive for balls. He just he he goes out there and it looks like he's going through the motions. I will say I very much enjoyed his offseason comments where he said he wasn't good because Cam because Cam, Cam Newton wasn't good. Yeah, I thought that was funny. Who would you rather have, Cam Newton or Josh Allen or Tyrod Taylor? Considering what he knew he was walking into this season, I thought that comment was especially hilarious. Yeah, can I play the Pat Shermer bite? Sure. Because we only got like two words of it before. So Pat Shermer, after the game Saturday, just came out firing. All right, listen, I'm going to answer all the drama questions right now. And I'm going to go back to what I said. All right? I addressed it with Odell. I addressed it with our team. I publicly declared that I didn't agree with his comments. And I asked anybody that was interested, if they wanted clarification, go to Odell because he's a big man. Now, I'm not going to give the public a pound of flesh on this, right? That would make me small, not strong. And these are the kind of things, in my opinion, when you have the locker room that we have, that will help galvanize them because the locker room took care of it. And that's all I'm saying on it. Finito. Done. Talk about coach speak. What does that mean? I mean, we know what the we know what that means with the locker room took care of it. But in this particular situation, what does that mean? The locker room took care of it. What is the locker room doing to Odell Beckham Jr.? Right. That's your point. That's my point. I, uh, one last note on this: uh, music choice today at Giants practice, first day of practice. They get Mondays off. 
Uh, Little Wayne. Wayne. Yep. I knew where you were going with that. I didn't even know what the answer was, but I, I yep. could tell where you were going <laughs> that with was, that. That was the music choice today. All right. Good job, as always, uh, Seth, with uh, with Soundcheck. And I know it spilled over into this first segment. we got to take a timeout. We'll come back. Uh, top and bottom five? Yes. It's, it's top five Let's Tuesday. Top and bottom five NFL rankings when we return. We're back after this.